This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, visited the liberated city of Kherson and addressed a crowd gathered in the main square. Mr. Zelensky reportedly said that Ukraine was ready for peace. Earlier, he said that investigators have documented more than 400 war crimes committed by Russian troops around the city. Ukraine has also accused Russia of laying mines around critical infrastructure. America's President Joe Biden and his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping held their first face-to-face meeting since Mr Biden became president. A meeting in Bali ahead of the G20 summit began with a friendly tone. Mr Biden spoke of his wish to avoid conflict with China and Mr Xi of the need to elevate the relationship between the two superpowers. Turkey's interior minister said that Kurdish militants based in northern Syria were to blame for a bombing in the heart of Istanbul on Sunday, which killed six people and injured about 80. He said police have arrested someone suspected of planting the bomb and detained another 21 people. Turkey's president had been talking up the threat of terrorism lately. China's regulators cheered investors with a plan to rescue the country's embattled property markets. The People's Bank of China and its partners outlined 16 steps they would take to strengthen the sector, starting with extensions on debt repayments. At one point, shares in Country Garden, a developer, leapt by more than 50%. Many firms enjoyed gains of 30% and more. SoftBank's wild ride got wilder, as the Japanese tech investment group's Vision Fund recorded a third straight quarter of swinging losses and its share price plunged by more than 13%. SoftBank's valuation had been enjoying a rally over the past fortnight against the headwinds in Silicon Valley, but investors hoping to learn of a new round of buybacks were disappointed. Britain's Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, acknowledged that he must raise taxes when he delivers a new fiscal plan this week. He will also slash public spending in trying to scrounge together £55 billion, equivalent to $62 billion, to fill a fiscal hole. Mr Hunt was brought in to restore Britain's economic credibility after the destructive micro-tenure of his predecessor, Kwasi Kwarteng. There was still no certainty about which way America's House of Representatives would fall, as glacial counts in several too-close-to-call races continued. The Republicans are six seats short of the 218 they would need for a majority. The Democrats are on 204. The final results may not be known for days. Over the weekend, the Democrats secured control of the Senate, with wins in Arizona and Nevada. And fact of the day. 18. The voting age in Malaysia. The threshold was lowered from 21 last year, giving 1.2 million more young people the right to vote on November 19th. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Biden and Xi meet in Bali. President Joe Biden and his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping will try to stop a downward spiral in relations when they meet in Bali on Monday. 
It will be their first face-to-face encounter since Mr. Biden became president in January 2021. Mr. Biden's approach to China has been unceasingly tough. He has curbed its access to advanced computing technology with a sweeping set of export controls and repeatedly pledged to defend Taiwan, the self-governing island that China seeks to unify with the mainland. White House officials talk of, quote, finding a floor in the relationship. They are seeking ways to cooperate on issues such as climate change and food security. But Chinese officials demand that America give ground on Taiwan and technology exports before they discuss other issues. Mr. Biden says no concessions will be made at the meeting. He wants to talk about, quote, red lines on both sides. Even that would count as progress. Challenges for India's Central Bank These are busy times for the Reserve Bank of India. As the rupee has depreciated against the dollar, reaching a record low in October, the Central Bank has intervened to stem the slide, burning through about $112 billion of foreign exchange reserves. It has also launched a pilot for a digital rupee, a Central Bank digital currency. The RBI's biggest task, however, remains tackling inflation. Data for October, due on Monday, are likely to reveal an annual inflation rate of about 6.7%. That would be an improvement over the 7.4% recorded in September, but still above the target range of 2-6%. Rising prices have been driven by soaring food costs, which account for nearly half of India's consumer price index. But inflationary pressure may now be easing as global food inflation has slowed. The RBI's governor is bullish. Shakti Kantadas believes that India's fundamentals are strong and the central bank's regime of raising interest rates up by 1.9 percentage points since April and expected to rise again in December is working. Crypto's worst days may be yet to come. It has been a terrible year for crypto. By early November, tightening financial conditions had halved the cryptosphere's total market capitalization. The latest blow may prove even worse. On Friday, FTX, a cryptocurrency exchange run by Sam Bankman-Fried and Alameda Research, his trading firm, filed for bankruptcy. Evidence suggests FTX, quote, lent $10 billion in customer funds to Alameda to prop it up. Regulators in both America and the Bahamas are investigating FTX. Whether customers get their money back has yet to be seen. The crash will have lasting reverberations. FTX was deeply entangled with the rest of the cryptosphere, having invested in startups and bailed out faltering crypto firms like Voyager and BlockFi. Uncertainty about whether such firms will find new backers has contributed to another fall of almost 20% in crypto's value in the past week. And while the crash has not yet spilled over into other financial markets, America's government says crypto needs more oversight. While regulation may help restore faith in legitimate crypto businesses, it could crush parts of the sector which thrive in its absence. The real work of COP27 begins. On Monday morning, tired delegates will shuffle back to a giant conference center in Sharm el-Sheikh to begin the second week of COP27, 
the United Nations Annual Climate Conference. World leaders making grand promises have left Egypt. It is now up to the country's negotiating teams to hash out what they're prepared to do to tackle climate change. Much has been made this year of poor countries' desires for, quote, loss and damage funding to compensate for the impacts of rising temperatures. That is being formally debated for the first time, but resistance from rich countries makes it highly unlikely that a relevant mechanism will be established. The most substantive climate commitment made during COP27 will probably not be made in Egypt at all. Later this week, leaders in Bali for the G20 summit are expected to announce a $15 billion fund to help Indonesia decarbonize its coal-intensive economy, copying an $8.5 billion deal struck with South Africa at COP26 last year. Yellowstone returns Montana to the spotlight. John Dutton sees enemies everywhere, and they are coming for his land. This is the premise of Yellowstone, which returned to Paramount on Sunday. In four previous seasons, Dutton, played by a leathery-looking Kevin Costner, has defended his Montana ranch from the government, hedge funds, militias, conservationists, and his own children. Horses and cattle may be how the West was won, Mr. Costner growls, but death and taxes is how we're going to lose it. Some of the Dutton's defense is done with assault rifles, but the family deploys ruthless real politic on par with succession or house of cards. This fifth season will see Dutton become governor of Montana. The show explores the state's real politics, too, such as the growing pains of its towns expanding into wilderness. Yellowstone is so popular that Taylor Sheridan, its creator, is planning two historical prequels, 1883 and 1923, and a Texas spinoff. Giddy up. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers, and as important, Tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which painter, a close associate of the writer Lytton Strachey, was portrayed by Emma Thompson in a 1995 biopic. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Elsa Scaparelli, who died on this day in 1973. In difficult times, fashion is always outrageous. That's The World in Brief from The Economist. Available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. (laughs) 